everyone was on a rowing team like ours, the world would be a better, better, be a better place because you learn leadership, collaboration, preparation, delayed gratification, you know, dealing with failure, dealing with stress, following the rules. I mean, all those things you'll learn. And I think there's something special about the pursuit of excellence and a team working outside. Like there's something special about rowing. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. And we have, we have just Eddie. It's Eddie Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Marie. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vinson. Thank you for being here. Hello, everyone. And uh, well, I'm Alex Del Sordo. Welcome to a live broadcast uh, podcast, first of its kind, for us at least. Uh, this is a pretty special night. We have two fantastic college coaches, uh, one from Texas and one all the way in Florida. Um, but first, a little bit about us. So Rower's Choice is a few years old, but in 2012, we started a little repair shop in Baltimore, Maryland. And over the years, we grew it into buying and selling boats around the country, and in 2020, we decided to make a conscious effort to meet more coaches and rowers. So over the course of two years, we've interviewed hundreds of people from around the world about rowing and trying to get an understanding of how to grow the sport. Uh, I want to say a special thanks to the president here, Sue Ellen Chambers of White Rock, the whole board and the coaching staff for giving us this great space and welcoming us with open arms, uh, and our guests here. So we have a gentleman coming off of a national championship, the head coach of University of Texas, uh, Dave O'Neill. Thanks for having me. Now, all the way out in Miami, Florida, we have the head coach for five years now of Barry University. This is Nick Johnson. So we're, we're, we're touching on three topics tonight, and I think a lot of this is very important for the high school athlete. The first topic that we're getting into is the transition from being a senior in high school to then being a freshman at the collegiate level. The second thing that we're going to be discussing is the recruiting process, understanding what college coaches are looking for, and navigating that path, which I think has become very difficult in, over the years. And lastly, the future of rowing from the high school level all the way up to the Olympic level. So I'm going to start with Nick Johnson. Uh, Nick, the you know I go back. I, I was in college 15, 16 years ago. I think things changed quite a bit. Uh, what is it like those first couple weeks, or maybe those first couple months, transitioning from a high school program to that collegiate program, specifically at Barry University? Well, I mean, at a at a at a school like Barry, you know, what you're going to find is that the first first couple of weeks, first month is just getting used to the volume, getting used to, you know, finding what life is like not having your parents around to run your schedule. And, and so trying to figure out what you're doing from a day-to-day -day basis, what you're doing even from an hour-to-hour -hour basis, where you're supposed to be, and, and then trying to keep up with the athletic side of it because oftentimes you have kids that come in who – maybe they didn't have the, the same sort of program at the high school level that they find at the collegiate level. Now, like you say, like volume, I mean, how, I mean every high school is different. Uh, how much volume are you guys talking about? Like, what does that, what does that mean? I mean, obviously, it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary from program to program and, and division to division, but, you know, most, um, 
you know, Division One and Division Two are a little different in terms of their hours and what they can do on a weekly basis. But for Division Two in, in the fall, you know, you have uh, a 65-day window when you can do 15 hours a week. And then in the spring, you get 20 hours a week, which is universal. All, all the divisions have that. So, uh, Dave, uh, you're coming off a national championship. It's a, in my mind, it must be, like, different, right, versus Barry University Division Two. What's the volume like? What's that transition from high school to the collegiate level? What are you expecting as a coach, and what are you seeing? Uh, good question. I think the, the first thing that I, we get across to the incoming recruits, I used to always say, make sure when you show up day one that you're fit. You know, show up fit. You know, those kids who, um, you know, oftentimes they work really hard. They get recruited. Hey, this is, I'm going to go to the school. This is what school I want to go to. And then the next, that summer beforehand, in my experience, there have been some kids like, you know, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to, when I show up, then, then I'm going to get to work. You know, and like make sure that's that first, sum, that summer before you arrive, work out a ton. Now, they used to say, show up, fit. Then I realized I have to say, show up what I think is fit. Okay. You know, okay. Not what you think is fit, what I think is fit. And because that initial first week is not simply the volume, but the expectation and how hard people are going that first week. You know, and, even, and I'm even like, hey, we start off at Texas. We start off really, really slow. But we consider... Um, I don't know, just going out and rowing 16K, that's, an e that's a really, really easy day. And some kids, you know, they're really surprised at what the level is right I mean, away. 16K sounds like a lot even right now. I mean, holy cow. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's an, we just got what's going to go on in eight in those first couple of days. And then, then now we're going out and doing 15, 16, 18K in the pairs, in the singles. You know, and the kids are like, and now it's coming back in the afternoon and doing the double days. You know, so we, so we, most... Most programs are going to ease into things, but if you are like, I'm going to take that first summer off and then, you know, ease into things, you're going to, and what I tell kids, if you take that summer off and you show up not really fully prepared, you will be in boats with other kids who took the summer off and not fully prepared. You show up and you're fit and raring to go, you will be rowing in boats with other kids that are fit and raring to go. Nick, uh is it the same scenario, Barry University? Like, is, is, are you expecting the same thing? I, obviously, it's a slightly different level in terms of speed, but we do have the same sort of mentality. Like, you, you'll get into the boat that you are set to get into, and if, if you're not showing up prepared, you know, we can't, we can't mandate workouts over the summer and over, over breaks, but nothing stops us from having a, a test early on. So know? parents, so I'm a parent. I have three kids. Uh, I know you guys have children. Um, it's so funny that my first reaction would be like, oh, my gosh, my daughter is going to burn out. And that's like, I think, a fear that some people have that you're saying, be fit, ready to go. And then all of a sudden they're jumping in feet first and they're in over their heads. Uh, what are some of the things as coaches that you do to maybe prevent that, uh, Dave? Yeah, good question. And we realize... We don't start off the freshman that first week with us or the first month. We start, well, when we start off the first four weeks, we're in eight-hour weeks. So we're only, you know, it's not a, it's not a lot. But when we are rowing, we're going to make the most of that. We're going to make the most of those eight hours. And then we get into the 20-hour weeks. We're doing 12 workouts a week. We're doing double days every day, you know. But the freshmen are not allowed, and we use this word intentionally, you're not allowed the Monday after the Monday after PM workout and the Wednesday PM workouts—they're not allowed to come. 
you know, mm-hmm. because we figure most fr- most kids, they're used to doing one workout a week, um, you know, Monday through Saturday, you know, mornings or afternoons. So and we, we, for us, we work out in the mornings. Um, so the Monday afternoon is free. Wednesday afternoon is free. The Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday, Thursday, they lift. And that's a 45-minute lift. And the lifting, it's only a seven-minute walk from their dorm. So it's easy to get in and out. And then they lift and they go to dinner right upstairs. So it's boom, boom, boom. It's easy. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember my first experience in college is like I'm, I'm on my own. I'm independent. Um, you have so much more time in the day. And I think a lot of kids realize or even parents – and by the way, um, we are doing a Q&A session after these rounds of questions. So if you have questions for these coaches or myself, you will have a chance. Uh, Chris Leonard will be bringing a microphone over there towards the end. So start thinking about some questions for these guys and, and, and for us. Um, so can, can I just add one thing? Please, though? please. All coaches, they're going to be aware it's your first semester away from home. Like we know the transition. It's your first away from home. The social life is different. Classes, it's, it's all different. Every coach is going to be aware and help you ease with that transition. But it is, you know, for those kids that we recruited, there is an expectation when you come in, you came here with a real expectation to be the rower that we recruited. You know, that, so That kind of makes me think about culture. Uh, Nick, you and I talked about that a couple days ago uh, when we were doing our interview together. Uh, how important is the culture and... Um, that environment for you at Barry University? It, it's huge. I mean, you, you can't have – you can talk as much as you want about what you want the team to be, but you need the whole team to buy in and be into the idea that you're, that you're pushing. So we want all of our athletes to want to do the workouts. We want them to all want to be fast, and, and that trickles down to you know, from, the, from the kids who are on a full scholarship all the way down to the walk-ons who have no idea what the sport even is the first day of practice – they all feel that if if everybody's into it. And uh, Dave, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm to win a national championship. I would imagine culture is a big part of what you do. Is that it's right? all it's all about attitude and culture? Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing that we focus on. I, I say all the time, like the reason why we're good. I think the technique is good. I think the training is good, but it all comes down to the people and the culture that we have. So sure. something that uh, you guys both brought up, uh, the I don't know what the right word is the. The scheduling. I had no idea that you were tracking the hours of the athletes. It was 20, you know, a certain time. Uh, has that changed in the last five, 10 years at the NCAA level? Or is that, has it been the same thing for forever? Good question. The rules have not changed. There has been a slight tweak in the rules maybe five, six years ago where when we're in eight hours, it used to be you can only have two hours of skill instruction. Now we have, can have four hours of skill instruction, but it's always been eight hours. We ha- in Division One. we have 156 days where we can beat 156 days divided by 26 is, you know, six-day weeks. We have basically 26 weeks of 20-hour weeks. Now, uh, that might have been too much math. That was way too much math. I, was, I couldn't figure that so, out. I don't have a pen. Actually. So in terms of following the rules, you know, and it's kind of funny when I talk to some kids and over the years, and like, oh, geez. That, you know, um, we follow the rules for sure. You know, and I think those, and those rules are in place so that it doesn't turn into a full-time job. You know? And those 156 days actually for rowing has the most practice days of any sport. And I've actually been an advocate of reducing it from 156 to 144, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah, like football true. has 132 practice days per year. You wow. know, most sports have 144. Rowing actually has the most, 156. Nick Barry, uh, do you 
encourage, but do uh, your athletes try to go beyond those restricted hours? Like, can they train separately on their own and ride a bike and not get counted for those eight hours or 20 hours, whatever? Sure. I mean, they can do whatever they want outside of the 20 hours. And, and I'm sure we have athletes that go and do extra work. Uh, I mean, I know we have kids that have their own equipment down to the boathouse and they'll go row single on their own time. And, you know, as long as it doesn't impact what we're doing as a group, then, you know, I'm not going to complain about somebody wanting to do extra work. Uh, they, I just can't tell them what to do and I can't give them extra work and, and, and you know they will go do what they want to do on their own time and then some kids they do the bare minimum they do the 20 hours and they do what the team is doing and they there's, there's no effort to do extra work and you know everything in between mm, so I, I imagine like I so I I've I've been on teams where if you don't do the extra work you are separated from the program right like they they it's a natural selection right kids naturally select um, do a lot of your athletes do a lot of their own work at, at Texas? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't check in on them. So, to be honest, like... Good answer. Yeah. I mean, for <laughs> real. I mean, I did talk to our compliance office officer last year, and she was like, yeah, like, one complaint some kids actually made is like, yeah, if they don't put in some other minutes, some other, other kids are like, hey, you should put in this amount of time. But we're talking 30 minutes before... They lift. Nothing yeah. significant. So uh, I, I get this question a lot uh, with parents confused of the process. How much time do you spend, Nick, talking to parents of first-year, second-year rowers? Is it encouraged? Are you okay with it? Is it comfortable? Because at the high school level, when you and I were coaching together, it was every single night we were talking to parents, maybe a dozen at a time. College is a little bit different. Uh, you know, they're, they're firstborn in some cases going away from home for a while. Is it encouraged? Do you, does it happen a lot? It, it depends on the kid. I mean, there are some, you know, we have a fair number of international kids, and so I'll probably never see their parents until graduation. And then there are some who their parents are very, very involved, and we'll see them at drop-off their freshman year, and then we'll see them at every single regatta, and we'll see, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. We love parent support, um, especially from a team that has a fair number of internationals. Like, we're not going to see those parents at regattas. It's great to see some some American parents at Regatta. So we, we love support from, from parents, and we love talking with them and chatting about, you know, how their kids are doing. Um, but then there are some that we'll, we'll never see ever, ever. Do you have the same experience? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say I talk with parents very little to none. It's the, you. The, the, <laughs> rela the, cause the relationship with the coaches to the student athlete, that's what's most important, you know. And if the parents are always, con if the parents are calling, hey, this is, and, and I make it clear, like, hey, I'm going to let your daughter know we're having this conversation because I'm not going to have some side conversation because our the relationship I have with your daughter, that's what's most important, and that usually ends. They like, they like realize, like, okay, I'm not going to talk anymore, you know. So, and that, totally and so. there's also for us. The, the HIPAA rules, that, that comes into play. So there are certain times if the parent calls about something, like, hey, I actually can't discuss this without your daughter's permission. Okay, that answers yeah. the question. I want to I transition to recruiting. Um, it, that, that map is very difficult for a lot of parents. Um, and I'm going to start uh, with you, Dave, because we talked about this right before. I have no idea what scholarships mean at the, at the collegiate rowing level. Right? We talked about this. Um, so can you just get into what it means when Texas or Barry or whoever has 20 scholarships 
at their program? What does that mean? Sure. Um, rowing is an equivalency sport. So we have, as opposed to football, basketball, which are head count sports. You might hear football, they have 85 scholarships. So for football, for Division I football, FCFs football, if there's 85 scholarships, 85 guys on their team have a full scholarship. You know, and that is full scholarship tuition, room and board, books, cost of attendance. You know, so that's a full scholarship. For rowing, for most sports, rowing, swimming, baseball, um, track and field, you know, we're equivalency sports where it comes down to percentages. So some kid might have a 50% scholarship, another kid gets a 25% scholarship, another kid's on a 10 and 15% scholarship. All of those percentages adds up to one scholarship. So at Texas, we have far more than 20 kids on some form of scholarship, and there's some kids on no scholarship. You know, so and those scholarships range from a book scholarship where we pay for their cost of books of, all the way up to, I don't know if anyone on our team is on a full, full scholarship, but up to 90, 90, 95%. So Nick, Barry, we jokingly, there's a difference, we understand, Division two. So what's, what's the level that you have at Barry to offer? Like what's, how many scholarships do you have? How does that work for your program? Yeah, like we don't really worry about the equivalencies because we're never going to get near 20. Um, but we we have everything same same deal everything from a book scholarship up to a full scholarship everything in between and obviously kids who have no financial aid and they're just purely a walk on. I would imagine that's a really hard thing to do as a coach is choosing how much assistance or scholarship an athlete gets. Is that does that keep you up at night once in a while? I mean, like because that, that's a difficult thing. I would imagine because now you're picking and choosing how good someone is. And it's to me that seems like a difficult thing to do. Dave, is that am I am I off on that? Uh, yeah, that's a difficult thing. But like I say, uh, as a head coach, uh, my job is all about making decisions. You know, and if I make good decisions, I'm a good coach. If I make bad decisions, I'm a bad coach. You know, <laughs> so in in terms of who we in every year we have X number of scholarships to offer or you know percentages, and yeah, who. You know, making those decisions, that's important. And if someone, if we offer somebody a, a really big scholarship and, uh, yeah, and she shows up not fit, that's an issue. So what happens, uh, scenario, let's say you give someone 50% scholarship, she doesn't show up fit, year two, she's really not making the third vote, um, and your expectations were here and they're actually down here. Does, sh does that rower lose the scholarship junior, senior year? Do you take that away or... Do they have it? Like, how does that work? Uh, they will not lose a scholarship. Uh, in the Big 12, uh, all scholarships are, you know, when, we, when someone signs a letter of intent, when they, the, you know, we can talk about letter of intent and all that, what, how that all works too. But uh, when they get their initial scholarship, it's for four years, and they know what that scholarship is, and that scholarship cannot, and this is for every, every school, your scholarship cannot be reduced for athletic purposes. So if someone's not performing, yeah, they keep their scholarship. But could it be raised? Yes. yes. So you can go up. You just you can can't go up. Go you can't go down. You can't. Yeah. Now, is has is anything he said different from the Division two level? Uh, I mean, it's it's theoretically you can reduce a scholarship, but it's there's a lot of hoops and a lot of paperwork, and you have to have a lot of details as to why it's being reduced. We've never reduced a scholarship with our program. Um, 
you know, at least with not without having a, a, a very good reason and, a, and conversation with the athlete beforehand as to why it's happening. But I don't think I've ever had to go down that path. A question, another question we get a lot is, uh, what kind of rower is going to go to Barry? What kind of rower is going to go to Northeastern? What kind? Uh, we get this quite literally every single week. Where should my daughter or son row? And then we go over that at nausea. So, and I know, like, so I hear somebody laughing, like, yeah, you probably wonder, where am I going to go to school? Well, I have my own opinion. I'm not going to give it here tonight. But, Nick, is it possible to explain or, or build me that rower that you're looking for? Who is the rower you're looking for? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Obviously, it's, it's apples and oranges in, to- in terms of the type of athlete that we're each recruiting up here. Um, obviously, we all want that tall, long, athletic, fast kid, and we have a, a different variety and, and window as, type, as the type of kid that we're trying to recruit. And so we, we look for a small program like ours, a, a lot of depth. And I think a lot of Division two programs are looking for depth. We only race an eight and a four. So if we can, we want to have more than that. You don't want to just show up on, on the first day of classes with 12 rowers and, and two coxswains. So we try to recruit a lot of depth, and sometimes that means uh, going outside of our window of the type of athlete we're looking for. But, you know, for us, we try to have a very wide range as to the type of kid that we're recruiting. So w- would we love those kids that are six feet tall and go seven flat? Yeah, sure. But then we're also not going to ignore emails from kids who are five, six and have never cracked eight minutes. Yeah, I remember you told me, and, and one of my coaches, Ben Carey, has said this before, is I can teach you to go fast, right? So you don't necessarily need the big, heavy erg. But Dave, I just... It helps. helps. It helps, obviously, it helps. Uh, and this goes for the men out there. This goes for you, too. Don't just think that this is a conversation about female women rowing. Um, but Dave, you know, man, coming off a national championship, I've seen the women in your boat. They're unbelievably strong and big, and, you know, they, they, they just look like Olympians, is there a typical rower you're looking for? Is there a structure that you're expecting? Uh, no, there's no typical. I mean, the, the main question I ask, and I think every Division One coach would love kids who want to work hard that are tough, you know, and that's first and foremost, you know. But I think, you know, in terms of maybe when you ask, like, you know, when people are looking at colleges and what they want to do, I, my biggest piece of advice is for everyone, like, why are you rowing? You know, why, like, what is your why? Why are you doing this? You know, and some kids might be like, I'm rowing so I can get into college. You know, and like, there's plenty of kids, like, they, ro- they joined a rowing team because it's going to help them get into college. You know, every rowing coach, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, Ivy League, everyone, when you're talking to a coach, they are not simply looking to help you get into their school. They want you to get into their school and on their team. It's not just hey, can I get into school, you know? And then if it's someone like, oh, no, I love rowing, you know, you also ask yourself, like, what is it that you love about rowing? You know, like, I love the camaraderie. I love the gear. I love hanging out and practice, and that's great, you know? And then that, there's going to be a program for you. You know, there's, there's a lot of programs out there, like, figure out what it is you love about rowing, you know? And every team, and we have kids on our team that love everything about rowing, except rowing, you know, they love, they love the 30 minutes before practice, do they love practice, 
They love going to races. They love the team dinners and hanging out and the travel. But do they love racing? You know, and I think for us in the recruiting process, we're figuring out, like, do you love rowing? You know, and that's the kids on our team. They love the, the successful kids on our team. Those, those kids in that top boat, they love rowing. Can you sniff that out? Can you see that in just a couple questions? And can you just, can you see it in somebody? Because uh, there could be a lot of BS in this world, right? Somebody yes. can say exactly yes, what you need sure, them to for say. Sure. And well, you just gave the farm away, yeah, by the way. Like, now they okay. know what to say. Like, yeah, it's like, hey, why are, you, why are you interested in our program? I love your school of business and the city of Austin. I love Austin. She's not coming. She's not coming. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's like, hey, why are you interested? I want to be a part of your program. Boom. Here we go. Let's keep on going. How do people know about your program? Like what, the, the culture of it? Can they see it just on social media? How do you how, how do people know the culture of Texas? Uh, imagine like a naive junior in co- high school is not really going to know the culture of your program. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, social media, but of course, social media, you, you sh- we show what we want to show. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, and we've been intentional about social media, and if you don't follow us, you know, follow us, or follow, every, follow all the different people. <laughs> follow programs, us too, by the way. You know? Follow us too. You know? And, um, you know, but I think reputation and word of mouth, that becomes very, very important, you know, and I think... Um, you know, I've always believed, you know, in terms of getting ahead when people ask, like, okay, you know, it's all about who you know. You know, like, well, it's who you know and what they think about you. You know, and I think over the years, you know, and our reputation and me developing relationships with different coaches around the country, around the world, you know, even when I, you know, left Cal and went to, you know, came to Texas, you know, had some relationships with international coaches and, you know, keep on moving. So it's all of it. So, Nick, you know, something unique about the two of you is uh, you spent a lot of time at the high school level. So you, you were there alongside a lot of your athletes for a decade talking to them about the process of going up to the collegiate level. What advice do you have, uh, given that you have a decade of experience at the high school level, that Dave doesn't necessarily have? Uh, I mean, I think the, the, the big piece that a lot of high school kids are missing is that they need to, like, really do their due diligence and make sure that they research – as many programs as they can and and know what it is that they're looking for because I think a lot of them just have this idea in their head of what what they want to do at the collegiate level and they have an idea of what program they want to go to but they don't really do the research and and dig down into you know if I go to this school and I don't enjoy it I don't enjoy the rowing part am I still going to enjoy the university and so making sure that they you know really figure out what else is there besides the rowing program. Yeah, we want you to really enjoy the rowing program, but what happens if you herniate a disc and can't row anymore? Are you still going to enjoy going to that school? Well, I mean, I think they, I think they worry about that all the time. Um, I think parents, it's hard, so hard to, like, answer that question as an 18-year-old or 17-year-old. I'm like, am I going to enjoy Austin, Texas? Am I going to enjoy Miami? I mean, I, I mean Miami's different. I mean, everyone enjoys Miami, but, like... <laughs> I think that's something that, you know, for me, I'm, I don't want to bring me into this the, the whole time, but, like, I should not have gone to Marietta, Ohio. Like, that really hurt me. I, was, I just, I had to leave after a year. Uh, and then even at GW, I had a really tough time. And, gosh, I was so young, I didn't know what was good for me. And I just listened to a coach who was down the street from me and said, this is where I think you should go. Uh, we, I only knew what that coach knew. Um, Right, that, and I think kids, go, kids being informed and not having an idea, that's changed quite a bit. So it's not so much like your coach telling you to go here. But I have actually a bit of a contrarian view 
like, yes, if someone, you know, choosing a school, you know, and, and worrying about the most, you know, the dire consequences, like what happens if you get injured, you know, and you don't like the school, then transfer. You know, like I'm, you know, I'm fully of the mindset, like if you love rowing, you know, it's okay to choose a school based on the rowing program, you know, as, so as long as the academics line up as well. You know, I'm very much a believer that, um, you know, I'm not a coach that says student first, then athlete. You know, if you come to a division one program like Texas or, you know, pick those top five programs, you know, you're going to be a student athlete. You know, the athletics is going to be just as important as the academics. And what you learn on the team is going to be just as important as what you learn in the classroom. Because there are certain things you're going to learn on our team that you cannot learn in the classroom. They're going to be with you for the rest of your life. So that's why I'm like, it's okay to cheat. And you go to a school, Division I school, where you're going to be putting in a ton of time. That is going to be the dominant, that's going to be the dominant experience of your college career. And you're going to spend so much time with the, the kids on the team, with the coaches. And I'm well aware that, you know, if someone comes to Texas, I'm going to be the most, most influential person in their, co their college career. You know, we're going to work with each other for 20 hours a week for four, you know, they're going to see me twice a day for four, for four years. You know, like, so if that relationship is, if you, and, and if that's not going to be a good experience, you know, like, yeah, you shouldn't be at our program. I mean, that, that seems like a, I mean, I like that, that uh, there's a lot of weight on how well you get along with the coach, right? If you're not jiving with that individual, man, that's going to be a long four years of your life. Have you run into that, Nick, at all? In your experience, in the five years that you've been coaching, have you run into situations where you're just not jiving with the athletes, that there's, you're butting heads? Yeah, I mean, as much as, you know, we want the athletes to do their due diligence, we try to do ours as well. And we try to make sure that the, the kids that we're talking to are going to blend with our, our culture and the type of team that we're running. Um, but obviously, every once in a while, there's there's one that slips through and, and is not quite in line with what we're wanting to do. And then, you know, you, you, you have two options. You either try to do the best you can to make it work for their duration of their college career, or, you know, you... you you have a conversation with them about, you know, is this maybe not the place for you? Do you really want to do this for four years if we're not on the same wavelength and if you're not getting along with your teammates? Do you have check-ins, like um, sort of like a, like a job, like annual reviews? Like are you checking in your athletes saying, how are you doing? Are we still on the same page? Are we still goal-oriented? Or does that happen? We, we, try to do, we try to do one at the start of the fall, one at the end of the fall, and then if we don't get one at the start of the spring, we definitely do one at the end of the spring semester. So we try to have one-on-ones as, as often as we can to make sure that we're all going down the same path and understand what's happening. And what's your team size? We're usually 20 to 25. And then, Dave, how many do you have on your team? 65. <sighs> so, when we do that, so when we do that, it's a month. <laughs> you know, and if it's like, hey, here's the 30-minute check-ins, it's, it's a lot. But what we do is those, you know, I'm sure it's like with many coaches, it's not just, hey, come into my office and let's sit down and talk. It is also just the day-to-day, -day, like after practice or even like we have, you know, these informal, not I shouldn't say informal practice. We've got a window of time where the kids come in and do the workout, and that's always a good time for me to, you know, it's not like the whole group comes in at once and then leave. It's like they come in and spurts and you know, those two-minute check-ins with kids. Hey, how'd that midterm go? Hey, how are you feeling? What's the latest with this injury or whatnot? So before we shift over to the last question, I, I want to get more into, like, the due diligence. Um, 
you say due diligence, like, do check it out. Like, what else can these kids, these parents do to make sure that they're making a, the proper decision on choosing a school? Are there things that they can do differently? May like you just more more advice on how what they can do to choose the right school for them? I, I think a lot of it is just knowing what your factors are. You know, like because everybody has a different situation. Every kid is different. Every family's different. Every financial situation is different. And and prioritizing what those factors are. As, as much as you want to go to a particular school to row, can you afford to go to that school if you're not on a full scholarship? And and what are what are your criteria? What are your factors? And how does a different university impact that that factor and those criteria? Dave, earlier you said about this compliance, the compliance, the letter, letter of intent. Um, forgive me, I actually have one more question. Um, what are the rules and communications with the athletes and the parents? Like, when does that all start? At what point do you start communicating with the recruit? The rules changed just a couple years ago. Oh, I was going to say like last month. Okay, so good. So yeah, it's, a it's, couple it's years ago where we used to not be able to have contact or off-campus contact with uh, a recruit until, what, Ju July 1st? heading into their senior year. That has now changed that we can, you know, starting your junior year, heading into your junior year, we can start having phone calls, initiate phone calls, and have contact off campus. And that has freed things up a ton. And that's been really good. The downside of that, that has also, but that's eliminated any contact. We can't even receive phone calls from freshmen or sophomores, you know. So if you're a freshman and sophomore, please don't come up and talk to me. <laughs> after this really because we can't have we can't talk off campus and we can't even talk when you're on campus so that is because what was happening coaches were like hey tell their you know tell the junior coach hey you know have this kid call me you know and and that, talking so that with coach is fine talking with coach is fine like talking with coaches is fine Andy sure. or Chris or anybody here you know if Jesuit and you know Dallas United whatever they want to call you they can call you they can right. talk to you about some athlete. So the summer, so now it is the summer heading into your junior year of high school. That's when things open up and those conversations start happening. Do you get a lot of that? Do you get a lot of like, you know, Joe Schmo coach and whatever saying, hey, you really need to take a look at this kid. You know, in two years, this, this, is, this kid's going to be incredible. Do you get a lot of that? Uh, a little bit here and there. I mean, especially at our, at our boathouse, like we'll, we'll see the, you know, coaches around there and, and they'll say, oh, I got this, this freshman that's going to be really good. Um, and I said, cool, tell her to come talk to me in a couple of years. <laughs> a couple of years. So uh, I want to transition to the last topic. It's uh, the future uh, of rowing, where you guys, how you guys see it. Now, in 2020, uh, you know, the world shut down, obviously. And at Rower's Choice, we started creating new opportunities, virtual racing. In fact, we actually have someone in the PRL here, the Premier Rowing League, a couple athletes, uh, one all the way in the back there, uh, that was in the CrossFit world, the gym world, and... We're trying to spend a lot of time growing the sport in another direction, right? Trying to get more uh, gym athletes and CrossFit athletes and other uh, to row and to, to get involved. Um, there's a lot of coaches out there, a lot of rowers, a lot of parents are nervous for the future. Uh, they just, they think the pandemic really shut us down and the growth of the sport is, is slowing. Uh, how do you, I like your opinion on that, Dave, about the, the growth of the sport and where do you see it going in a couple of years or or have we just, has the pandemic really stopped us from growth? Uh, no, I don't think it stopped us at all. I mean, the fact that, uh, the fact that we're doing this in Texas, I think is testament. Like, you wouldn't have thought 
doing this in Texas 10 years ago, that wouldn't have happened, you know? And even just, you know, yeah, like here at White Rock and DUC, like two thriving programs, you know, and, co and becoming, in Texas, becoming more of a destination of people like, hey, this could be a place to, to row, you know, not just, you know, I mean, our program has done well, but the state in general, I think it's growing. And I think the word is getting out. And I think across the, across the country, it's been, so two years from now, that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard to quantify whether it's growing or not. But it certainly seems like, or even like what you guys are doing with Rowers Choice. I mean, it's cool, like the Premier Rowing League and doing these podcasts, I think, you know, and I think it needs innovators, disruptors, you know, someone like yourself, like, hey, let's do this or give a shout out to Eamon Glavin with each, what he's doing with oh, the video yeah, stuff, right. you know, and I think, and I hate it when people are like, oh, rowing is not a spectator sport. Like we, this morning we got, you know, we didn't row because of lightning and we showed some Olympic racing and the kids were on the edge of their seats <laughs> for the racing. It was awesome. And I think, you know, the NCAs, you know, from my perspective was awesome this past year. Oh, you know, you and the race, race and the racing was great. And I think if it's shown correctly and people know the backstory, it's great. It's an awesome sport. You're preaching I mean, right now. I yeah. love it. I, love I mean, it. I, mean I remember like what my mom back in what 2001, 2002, watching the Tour de France for three hours. You know, guys riding up the Alps just to watch Lance Armstrong because it was an awesome story. And that's not a good spectator sport. Just yeah. you know, but if it's told well by Phil Liggett and Paul Sherwin. And a great backstory. Here we go. Let's watch it for hours. So, Nick, so I mean, we need so we need people like you. Like yeah, let's keep hey, it going. Thank you. <laughs> Nick, uh, Miami, I Miami rowing has grown quite a bit over the last couple of years. Cesar down at Miami Rowing Club and a couple others. Like we're spending a lot of time down there. Are you seeing the sport getting stagnant a little bit, or you, do you see it growing? No, I mean, I think our our especially for our location and and the weather that we have and the water that we have. Um, you know, we are one of the biggest you know, spots for, for spring break and, and winter break training programs. Uh, everybody loves to come to our, our location to, to row. Um, and then the actual, you know, rowing is, is always picking up. Miami Beach, Miami Rowing Club, us and UM. Um, you know, it, it's certainly always going to be a hotbed for rowing because of our weather and our water. Well, you had the best recruiting uh thing I've ever heard. You said, if you don't like the erg, come, come to my place. Come to row for me. Because we never use them. <laughs> like, man, oh, man. We, we, have, we have a few. We have a few that, that <laughs> break out once in a while. So, <laughs> so uh, it was like five months ago, the U.S. lost across the board at the Olympics. Um, there's a lot of folks that are, that we talk to, they get a little nervous about that. Like, if, if we're not winning at the Olympic level, what, what are, is that going to help? Are people not going to want to row at the collegiate level, there's a little bit of pessimism. Um, Dave, are you? How, how, did, how did it affect you in any way that we lost the Olympics completely? Uh, it affected me, you know, knowing many of the people involved. Yeah, I was, you know, the men's eight finished, and like I texted Katie right away, and texted Tom Terhar and Laurel, and like felt bad, and you know, and Gia Dunan, who's in the boat, and you know, knowing what was going on, and like or having a sense of what was going on, yeah, I felt bad. But in terms of, yeah, and I do think it's a missed opportunity because so many people, they see the Olympics and if you know, win in the Olympics and like, oh, hey, that inspires people. But uh, I'm not, I'm optimistic of the future and what, what can happen in, for sure. So you rode in like 91, right, at Boston College, right, 91, 92. 
some of the best rowing ever, 96, 97, all the way through the early 2000s. Um, was that bringing you optimism when you were younger? Like, like for us, winning at the highest level, was that a reason that you went into the coaching and want to get into that system? Yeah, no, no. I, I was just in my own world. I mean, I think, I think many of us, we just got caught up in our own world. I mean, I started rowing in, what, 19, freshman year, 1987, and 88 Olympics. I had no idea what was going on. Like, oh, yeah, but there was no internet also. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, rowing at CRI, that's something like, oh, the... Olympics happened. Oh, that's kind of cool. And I remember, you know, 92 Olympics. And then I was trying to make the national team and stopped rowing. And then, okay, 96. Yeah, it's going to lightweight, lightweight Olympics. Here we go. So I had friends training for that. But uh, so I started paying more attention. But, you know, but it's kind of funny because when I was a kid, I was like, oh, 1980 Olympic hockey team. Like, that's the inspiration. That'd be awesome. But we all get caught up in our own lives and all the things going on. So. So one of your athletes rode in the Olympics, right, uh, in the women's eight, I believe? From Texas, yeah. From I mean, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does that do for Texas? Does that do anything? Does that inspire other athletes? Does that inspire women to come and join your program because one of them came from there? Uh, it's hard to quantify. I don't think anyone said, like, oh, I saw Gia Dune and made that boat. But I think Gia, people seeing Gia and wearing the Texas gear and knowing that her story, like, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's certainly going to help. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick, um, high school rowing, you know, you've spent a lot of your career there. Um, what's going on in Miami? And not in a bad way. I'm just like, is, is the high school, is the youth growing? Are there more people focusing on the seventh and eighth grade level? Are you seeing that in your local communities? I mean, I see obviously Miami beach rowing club on a almost daily basis. So I, I get a little bit of insight into what's happening with them. And it, it does seem like their program is getting bigger and bigger every year. Um, at, at least the number of boats that are constantly sitting in my bay seem to be <laughs> growing every year. So um, they definitely have a, a large roster, fair amount of equipment. So I, I feel like that program's getting bigger. I don't get to see MRC too often or Belen. Belen's all the way out on the west side. So I don't know how big those programs are getting, but I know that they're there and they're always fast and they're always doing well at, at the you know, scholastic and, and youth level. So in, in, in Austin, because I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with Texas a little bit, all right? I've learned a little bit here with Annie and everyone here at, at White Rock, but you winning the national championship, are you seeing more uh, programs growing and expanding in your area? Yeah, I heard that, uh, yeah, one of the local clubs definitely got a little boost of uh, excitement and interest in their program with us winning NCAAs, so... Do you think it's important for us to develop that 6th, 7th, and 8th grade level to grow the sport? Do we, do, need, do we need to spend, as coaches and parents, do we need to try to get them into boats? Uh, yeah, my son started rowing, you know, he was 11 last summer and did a, did a summer camp. And now he's like, and then a friend, I was like, oh, so what's your favorite sport? And he's like, I think rowing. I'm like, Did that what? shock you? Holy yeah, God. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, and I think... But then I was like, hey, do you want to start rowing? And he's like, nah, I'll, well, every day? No, I don't want to do it every day, you know? And I think, so, I mean, I have some feelings of, like, junior rowing and get people interested and all that stuff. But I think, yeah, like, yeah, getting kids into boats and, you know, without having to worry about racing, just going out and rowing. Rowing is fun. Going out and rowing is fun, you know? And he was competitive, you could tell. Like, he was, like, just wanted to race other kids and have fun with it. So, yeah, go for it. It's just the, the barrier to entry is so difficult, right? It's so, so challenging. And, and at Rower's Choice, we, we are constantly concerned about getting more people in boats because it impacted my life in 
in an incredible way. I mean, I met my wife through rowing. Uh, you met your wife through rowing, right? I believe. I, yeah, she, yeah, she's a rower. Um, and my family, it's involved. But uh, we're just a little bit uh, anxious is the right word, but we want to encourage that youth rowing. And uh, we sometimes struggle. We don't know what to do. I mean, I, we don't have all the answers. Um, and my, that's why I was asking you about Miami. Like, are you seeing the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders going? Maybe you have some insight into that or input. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time identifying the difference in those ages. My, my kids are three and four. I can identify <laughs> three and four-year-olds, but anything beyond that, it might be five, four. it might be 15. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I feel like that group is definitely getting bigger. I know they're trying to push into that, that middle school age group. Um, you know, I, and I think, like, like Dave said, we don't necessarily want them racing when they're in sixth grade, but if you can pull them away from some other sports, you know, I think that's one of the biggest issues that rowing runs into is that you have kids that they they get pigeonholed in a certain sport and they do it all the way through high school and they don't ever even think about trying rowing and then and then they find it when they get into college because they didn't make it in in volleyball or basketball whatever sport they were trying and then they finally come to rowing when they're 18 19 years old so if we can get them at an earlier age and and steal them from some of these other sports i think that would you know help us out a little bit is is rowing cool at barry university like is it cool to be on, on the rowing team I think if you if you're an athlete, yeah, I think everybody you know, enjoys our, our team and they know the the work. I don't know if they think it's cool in terms of how much work we do. I, I think they're kind of turned off by that. <laughs> um, but you know, I think they they certainly understand the the coordination and effort required to be part of our program, and they they appreciate that. At Marietta, everyone knew we were rowers, uh, and it was a big deal. Like we were the big men on campus. Um, GW did. They didn't know who I was. I mean, it was it was a basketball team. Texas, and you just won a national championship. Is it cool to be a rower at Texas? Like, are they walking around with their heads held high and people admiring them? Because in rowing, you know, it's it ain't cool. I mean, most of the time, people think we're a bunch of nerds or something, rowing in boats. Uh, yeah, we well from day one, we one of our uh, missions, we were like, we're going to turn Texas into a rowing school. You know, and, uh, and I've always been a big believer the best way to get noticed is to do something noticeable. You know, rather than like, okay, hey, look at me, look at me. Like, do something noticeable and t- people will take note. And, uh, the national championship will do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I think, um, yeah, as our team has gotten better, you know, and we had a really good first year and that people took notice. And, um, yeah, and I think people... Across the board, certainly the coaches of the other sports, they recognize, like, rowing is hard. Like, rowing's a hardcore sport, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, and then for us to be among the most hardcore of a hardcore sport, yeah, there's some definite respect that goes into it. So, but we're not doing it for that accolades. We're just doing it because we love rowing. There you go. And I think what you're, saying, what you're saying about, like, getting kids into it, like, I've been a, always been a big believer. Like, I, like rowing can change the world. You know, like, and that's, like, I fully believe, like, rowing can change the world. If everyone was on a rowing team like ours, the world would be a better, better, be a better place. Because you learn leadership, collaboration, preparation, delayed gratification, you know, dealing with failure, dealing with stress, following the rules. I mean, all those things you'll learn. And I think there's something special about the pursuit of excellence in a team working outside. Like, there's something special about rowing. That's, that you can't do in other sports. And know? it's I not just at Texas. It's at, oh, yeah. it's at every other program. It's here at White Rock, at DUC, at Jesuit. It's everywhere, yeah. right? 
Like there's something special about rowing. And I think that's, you know, even like most beautiful thing, the Arshay Cooper, Mar Mary Mazio movie was great. And he's like, yeah, like it, stru it struck him and moved him to be and made him a better person. You know, and I think that's what, you know, for us, I'm a big believer, like what I'm, you know, what I love about coaching in college, like it's about education and becoming the growth of the individual. You know, and I, I want to get in the boat right now. Yeah, I'm there's just like, I'm like there's something special. Yeah, there's something special about rowing. You know, I think like yeah, get more people rowing and you know, enjoying it for the love of rowing, not and not some other thing down the road. And that's when I'm like, don't start rowing in order to get into college. You know, and even like one of the biggest things I took from the most beautiful thing, it's like it was started. It seemed like it was started to help these guys go to college. You know, and none of those guys went to college, but it impacted them for the rest of their lives, you know, in ways that, they, that when it was started, did, they didn't realize. So, Well, Nick, I, I love the story you told me that you were a C guy, you were a C team guy, you found rowing, and you're on the A team, right? And it changed your life. You were at Virginia Tech, you were kind of waffling around in sports, you find rowing, you find that you're pretty good at it, and now 20-something years later, you're the head coach of a program. So clearly rowing has impacted you. I love it. Now, I want to move into the questions. Um, so if anybody out there has some questions, what we're going to do is we're going to set the mic up. Chris, please take that. And then just in the middle here, if you guys have a question directed towards uh, me, any, any one of these coaches up here. Um, so since winning an NCAA championship, has the team dynamic changed for Dave? Um, is it more competitive or is it more of a tight-knit community, do you find? Uh, good question. Uh, it really hasn't changed. Uh, we don't talk about last year at all. You know, like we mentioned, uh, yeah, we don't talk about last year. I mean, I've granted there's a banner, and they're going to get rings soon and all that stuff. And I'm like, can we stop? Can we stop with the celebrations? But everyone, everyone recognizes, like, the goals for the team, the vibe, the dynamic really doesn't, doesn't seem any different than it was in the past. You know, and every year is different. You know, every year is a new puzzle to figure out, and I think that's a... Yeah, it's not, we're still the same. You know, we're still the same bunch of people. It's nothing, nothing's really changed. Do you have a lot of returning athletes on the team? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, okay. we, I always say like the first step of being great, don't be bad, and <laughs> we, we won't be bad. <laughs> yeah. so. Boy, oh boy. Any, any other questions out there? We have one over here. Chris? Just, just say it. Uh, for us, uh, yeah, we don't have scouts. I think that might be an NCAA violation for us to have, like, the scouts out there. But, uh, uh, yeah, we have a full staff, um, and our staff, they do a great job with recruiting and reaching out to coaches and answering the inquiries and, you know, talking to coaches and talking, you know, finding kids, you know, scouring results and, re and reaching out to kids all over the world. And, um, yeah, and within our team... We still have walk-ons, you know, the, that'll, that'll never, never go away, but I think on our NCA squad last year, that's two eights and a four, there was only one kid who was a walk-on, you know, so our, our team is mostly recruits, you know, and that look, we're recruiting kids from all over the world. Right now. Nick, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, we have, uh, besides me, we have an assistant coach and a graduate assistant, and our graduate assistant almost exclusively handles on-campus recruiting for novices you know, kids who are already at school, 
And then my assistant coach and I kind of split duties for the recruiting. I mostly do the international recruiting, and then she handles a, a fair bit of the domestic stuff. And I'd say, you know, if we if, if NCAAs were today, like our top 12, um, probably only two are walk-ons, I think. The rest of them are all recruited. Any other questions? Oh. Uh, well, actually, we have, a, we have Ross Love in the back. Oh, man. <laughs> Ross. go to Ross first? Ross, probably just shout. You can probably just shout. We can probably hear you. Uh, so I, I've been a strength coach for almost 20 years. Um, and my question for you is, like, how do you all, uh, as far as weightlifting training to on-the-water training, how do you all prioritize that? and regulate that for rowing. I, I've never rowed on the water before. I've just used the erg. So uh, as far as how do y'all regulate that with y'all's athletes? Dave, do you want to, or Nick, or Nick? You, we, we, have a, we have three full-time strength and conditioning coaches, and they, we have one in particular that works with our squad. And so she and I try to make sure that we're staying parallel with each other as far as what we're doing training-wise. I let her know when our big races are. So she tries to make sure that they're not you know, maxing out the day before going to the conference championship, and uh, and and she handles the the bulk of what we're doing there. She's great. Yeah, and we, we have a strength coach who works with our team and one other team. I think he works with the women's swimming team, and uh, and he's he's great. He's coach Mike Hanson, and he and he understands we're the rowing team. We're not the lifting team. We're the rowing team, and I tell give him some basic parameters. This is what we're looking for. And he has free reign to do it. Um, one of the things, what I, one of the parameters, like, don't, no Olympic lifts. Like, we're not going to do it. And one of the things, because, you know, I, I'm a big believer, you don't need to learn two Olympic sports <laughs> while you're at Texas. Learn one Olympic sport, you know. So you don't need, we don't do cleans. And also, like, we're an aerobic endurance sport. So we don't, you know, and the likelihood of them getting injured doing anything less than five reps, you know, sets, like everything's, you know, yeah, anything, you know, even when it goes below eight, I'm like, oh, they're going to get hurt. So, so we're, we're, we're in regular communication. And the, but the biggest thing is no one should ever get hurt in the weight room. Like if they get hurt rowing, okay. But if someone gets hurt in the weight room, that's when there's a problem. Yeah. We had a question in the middle there. Yeah, just wondering for Dave, like the, the move to the SEC, does that affect like the number of scholarships or how they get handled like compared to how the Big 12 handles them? Or? Uh, there might be some, some changes a little bit, but that's still to be seen. Uh, I, the Big 12, how it has a four-year agreement, I'm not sure if the SEC has that. And there's a, some other things that's coming down in terms of with the Alston case, if you follow along with that, with the, how the Big 12 is handling that money versus the SEC. So there'll be some slight changes, but nothing, nothing really significant. Any other questions? We have one over there. Can I ask a question? Of course you can. Um, as a parent, how do you, how would you suggest we evaluate how competitive our child is? I mean, we all like to think they're going to do great things if that's what they want to do, but, you know, a realistic evaluation of their ability to fit in, you know, at certain levels of the competitive collegiate level? That's a hell of a question. Yeah. I'm live. Well, I can't can, wait to hear this answer. Yeah. And then, can I ask the other question? And then I'll, yeah. is um, ways that athletes 
have reached out to you, you know, as opposed to them being just recruited out of the blue by someone, you know, how effective is an athlete said, you know, I'd really think I might fit in well, X, Y, Z. I mean, how, how best can they do that without being offensive or intrusive or? Yeah. Uh, I'll answer that question first. Uh, I'll answer that. That's the easy one. Yeah. You can have the hard one. Well, that we, we love getting emails from kids and saying, hey, this is, but when you email a coach, if it's your first email to a coach, make it short, relatively short, and make sure you include your height, your weight, your 2K erg, you know, and maybe SAT GPA, you know, because we can just go down like, okay, hey, this kid is 6'1", 170, 712, 1,400, 3.2, boom, we know. You know, or we all know what those numbers are, you know. But if it's like, oh, hey, if you leave out any of that information, like, why did you leave out that information, you know? And if it's like, hey, my, Texas is my top, you know, Texas or Washington or Stanford, like, that's my dream school. And if you do that, make sure you spell the coach's name correctly. <laughs> Don't put the Stanford coach na coach's name on the Texas email, you know, because that has stuff happens a lot, you know. So, but we, we appreciate those, those emails from coaches, from kids all the time. And that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the main thing. So reaching out, my biggest advice would be reach out to, if you're interested in school, reach out to the coach, you know, and if you don't get a response, send it again, you know, and then, or send it to an assistant coach, you know, and that's, that's, you know, we, you know, all the time we're like, okay, right on. The first question in terms of evaluating My sense is you know your kid better than anybody. You know, like you know your kid and you probably have a sense, you know, how focused, committed, work ethic, all of those things, you know, how, how good, you know, what level she is or he is. You know, you probably have a sense, you know, and then realizing at a place like, you know, pick any of the Division I schools, men's or women's, like it's going to be a lot of hard work and it's just going to be a good positive experience. You know, so, and then if it's, you know, and then work with the junior coaches, and if your kid isn't making the top boat, you know, there's going to be a good program for him or her, you know, but, you know, like for a program like ours, you know, it's not just, you know, you know, is she in the top boat? Is it, is this the, you know, when we talk to a junior coach, like, you know, the, we'll check in with the junior coach, like, is she the best kid you've ever coached? You know, or in relation, is she among the top five kids you've ever coached? You know, like, you know, you'd even get to the point, is she the top rated recruit in her country for us right now? You know, and that's, you can figure that out, you know. And I hate to say it, one of the, the SAT of rowing, you know, we can talk about whether the SAT is a good test or not. The SAT of rowing is the 2K erg. Like that, it's a standardized test. You know, that's something that we, everyone does and everyone knows, and we understand not all 2Ks are the same. You know, because if, if someone just started rowing at a small program and had just got into it, we understand that that kid pulling a 730 is going to be different than the top junior program in the country has been rowing for four or five years pulling a 730. We understand it's not the same. So... That's a great answer, Nick. Do you want to follow up on that one? I, I think you hit that one right on the head. But, um, I mean, especially that last part about 
when you started and, and how long you've been rowing and w- what your current level is. You know, we, we, we love kids that have very little experience and maybe are the diamond in the rough that a big D1 school isn't going to talk to. And, and those kids have to understand what their value is and what their potential value is, which you know, kind of goes in with the due diligence, making sure that you're doing your research, knowing who you are, what kind of school you're talking to, and what you're worth to that school. I don't necessarily think that they can say specific numbers. I think a lot of the high school coaches that have been doing this a very long time understand specific numbers that kids need to hit. You know, if you see female rowers close to seven minutes, that's phenomenal. You know, you start to see men sub 620, that's phenomenal, right? But if, if, you're, if you're in the high 730s or 740s, 750s, and you've been doing it for a while, you're not necessarily going to be going to the top level schools. Um, and I think... I think specifically here in this state, and this city, there's a lot of really knowledgeable coaches, especially in this room right now, that know a lot about those numbers and what college co- coaches are looking for. Uh, so I, my recommendation would be lean on them. Find the time to sit down and talk to them, um, and they can help evaluate your children. Um, if there's no more other questions, I'm going to say we had a, oh, we have one more. One more. We have two more. Holy cow. For being a young team, I have a couple sophomores to represent. Um, so for um, both uh, of you, what does the average day for one of your athletes look like? Like when does practice start? How far away is the boathouse from uh, campus and the dorms? Uh, Nick? Uh, our, our boathouse is about 15 minutes from campus. Um, at least in the mornings when we go. It's a little different in the afternoons when Miami Beach traffic hits. But um, we usually, if we're on the water, we're leaving campus around 5.30, on the water a little bit after 6 o'clock, and then they're back in time for 9 o'clock classes. They'll have an afternoon session. Usually we'll do three lifts during the week, and then probably a couple afternoons that are some sort of erg, stretch, yoga kind of session. so we'll do 11 sessions a week usually during the spring. And for us, or I'll talk in general for most Division One programs, like for, at our level, it's going to be a morning workout, whether it's on the water or, you know, I know like maybe like Virginia rows two mornings a week. They alternate afternoons. I think Washington rows in the spring in the morning, Cal rows in the morning, Ohio State rows in the morning, or depending on time of year like there might be a morning erg and then classes during the day and then another afternoon workout you know the second session is usually probably easier Um, although most programs are probably going to do one hard erg workout a week you know and they might do that in the morning or going to do that in the afternoon and we most of us lift two or three times a week Um, and then I'd say most of us the Saturday is a pretty extensive workout for everybody um, so you're looking at 11 to 12 workouts a week, um, you know, double days every, pretty much every day. What's a hard workout at, at, at Texas? Like, like, even like, what's, like what's, what do you think is hard? Um, well, it depends on, you know, you can make any workout hard. <laughs> you can make any workout easy. I mean, they did, a, we did on Friday, this past Friday, we did our first, like, real ERG workout of the year, of 2022, the first recorded workout. And it was 2 by 5 k and it was hard. You know. Like open rate? The first one was open rate. And, uh, and they had to, because a few kids had to, you know, and I really didn't want to do it, but 
you know, a few kids had to do it for their national team testing, different countries. So, and I was like, hey, we're doing, we're not doing this because I'm telling like, you know, because <laughs> Germany and GB and New Zealand, they 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 have to do it. So sorry, guys, like I'm not the one making you do this workout. And uh, but because your teammates, world. your teammates have to do it, so it's more fun doing it as a group. So they did the two. So I said the first one will be open rate, um, and they did pretty well. They did quite well on that. So I'm like, okay, we'll dial the second one back. I love the modesty on that one, Nick. What's a hard workout at at, at Barry? What would you say is? Give me one of your top three or four. Uh, I mean, we did one. I don't know, maybe a week ago, we did a six by one k, like two minutes rest in between. Oh, yeah. Goal, goal was to not blow yourself up on the first one, like try to be moderately consistent for all six of them, but it should be an effort. I mean, I think funnel. like when you ask the question like, okay, hey, the hardest workout, let me, and I think most coaches, something that's happened within women's rowing over the last 20 years, 15 years, like how much more professional it's become, you know, and like, yeah, it's definitely pro. So those workouts where we're just going to do something just because it's going to be crazy, like the point of it to just crush everybody, like we don't do that. Most programs aren't going to do that. Like it's gonna, there's going to be some evidence-based, this is the protocol, this is the reason why we do it, rather than something just ridiculous, you know, so. I love it. Now we had one more question over here, I think. Gentlemen. Oh, we have another one. Yeah, one another one. Okay. Um, so what is your injury injury policy and to what degree does recovery and athletic trainer visits um, fall on the athlete's shoulders? Uh, good question. I think everyone's policy, I was not policy, that's going to sound very rigid. Um, uh, the coaches want to know if kids, if there's an injury, you know, like we don't want kids hiding anything, you know, and for, for me, I'm always, I always say, like, I don't get mad if someone's injured. I get mad if someone's injured and I don't know about it, you know. And don't, or if you're hiding it, you know, because that's when a three-day injury turns into a three-month injury, you know. It's because rowers get two injuries, like rib stress fractures and disc injuries at L4, L5. Those are the two injuries, you know. And those are the two injuries that can take you out for, you know, you get a stress fracture, you're out for six weeks. You know, so it's important, like, okay, hey, as soon as there's uh, anything with the rib, let me know. Because if you wait a week, or if someone says, hey, my rib hurts, the first question I ask is, how long has it been hurting? And if you say it's been a week, I'm going to be like, well, we did that 30-minute erg at 22. I bet it hurt after that day. Oh, yeah. You did 20K in a pair. I bet it hurt after that day. Oh, yeah. I bet it, then we did... 20k in the cox four and you were at stroke seat you know and we were doing power pieces i bet it really hurt after that day oh yeah i couldn't sleep after that and now you're telling me you know but if you, like we wouldn't have done all of those workouts you know well we would have been smart in all these other workouts if we had known rather than you just row until you break you know and yeah in terms of the responsibility in terms of getting better you know i think for every coach is going to be like yes you are in charge of your body like you, it's going to be your responsibility, you understanding the rehab to get better um, and working with the, you know, sports medicine. And I'll be in, you know, we'll all be in communication with the sports medicine staff to get better. But, um, yeah. yeah our, our, our big thing is that you can't, you can't uh, self-diagnose, whether it's injuries or illnesses. So if, if a kid has to pull herself out of a workout, 
I don't let her just say, oh, well, my hip hurts. I say, well, okay, we well, have to go see the athletic trainer. You had to go into that room and check in with them and figure out why your hip hurts. Or if you can't come to practice because you're sick, well, you better go see the, the health center and figure out why you're sick. Because um, as soon as we open it up to, well, you can decide whether or not you want to go to practice because you're injured or, or sick, then, you know, it's the wild, wild west. And so we then have a, um, a report with our athletic trainer. She sends us and lets us know who's injured, what their injury is, what they're doing to fix it. And if you're not doing anything to fix it, then we have to have a conversation about why are you not trying to get yourself better? That's just being a mature athlete. Right. right. I mean, right. they're not mom and dad's not at home anymore. Right. Uh, one is this gentleman over here had a question. Hi, you guys uh, talked about it earlier. The two K's being like is the SAT of rowing. But, you know, some like you talked about how like two K is not the same for everyone. So how can like when you're recruiting see past simply just the two K and like when that athlete may be a great choice for your program, but their two K might be a little bit off from what you're what you want. But like in reality, they're really good for your program and stuff like that. Like, how can you, as, like, when recruiting them, see past that? Good question. And if it's like, hey, my 2K isn't where I want it to be because I just freak out. Like, every time we, like, the anxiety, we get it. So I was like, okay, 20 minutes, what have you done? You're like, have you done, give me your, give me the workout that you're the most proud of, the ERG workout that you're most proud of. You know, and then that's another way, rather than it has to be the 2K. Because we're rowing coaches, we know all the numbers. You know, and if it's like, yeah, my, but, but the erg isn't good, but like, well, what biker, what is it? You know, or if it's like, hey, my erg isn't very good, but on the water, these are the results I've done. I've done this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, right on, here we go. You know, so we see that there's something there. So I think the biggest thing, and what we ask is, you know, what is the result that you are most proud of? You know, like not just talk, but like, yeah, I'm most proud of whether it's this erg result, but if it's like, hey, this result on the water, you know, when it can be like I was in the second boat, you know, and then I got seat raced and I got, and I switched and I got one day someone was out and I got switched in the first date and that boat took off and then the, the coach kept me in the boat and, you know, we had the best season we ever had. Right on. You know, so like the coaches were real people, all of us. Like, so What's the backstory? What's going on? And help us make that decision. And we know, like, you're not just, when I say, like, here, rattle off the numbers, that, that's the beginning of the conversation. But let us know what the full story is. Yeah. So, and I think, but, that, but with that, like, don't convince yourself, well, you know, so many kids are like, I ha I'm not good in the erg, I'm not good in a pair, I'm not good in a four, I don't seat race very well, I'm not good in these days, but put me in the eight... Put me in the eight on race day. I swear to God, I'm going to be good on those days. I'm like, you know, just be aware of like, yes, everyone's going to be good when you're surrounded by other good people too. You know, Nick, you want yeah, to say something? You, and you might have to just get there and show the coach that you are actually just good in the boat and that you're not very good on the erg. And I, I was, I was just this morning talking about a kid we had four or five years ago. Her erg score wasn't tremendous. She was not even top 15, 16 on our team, but we put her in the four and she killed it. She had great rhythm, great power to weight ratio, and just she was effective on the water. Didn't get a lot of scholarship money her freshman year because her erg score wasn't huge, but she eventually earned a bit more because she was very good when we put her on the water. And if you're, if you're focused on a school where the coach is driven by numbers 
And like, I'm, I'm very capable of getting fixated on numbers and saying, well, you're below a certain number, so I'm not going to give you as much scholarship money as, as I would another kid. You know, and then you get to that school and show the coach, okay, I am faster than this other kid that has a bigger erg. So you might have to just get there and show them that you're worth it. And, there, and, and if you're not there, you know, I'm always a big believer, like the most powerful word in the English language is yet. Like, is yet. I haven't broken, I haven't gone under seven minutes yet. I haven't made the first boat yet. Our boat hasn't won nationals yet. Take whatever you have, you haven't done, put yet at the end of it. Now it's possible, you know? So it's like, yeah, like, oh, I haven't, put, you know, I haven't been in the varsity eight. Like, well, I haven't been in the varsity eight yet. So then focus on the yet, focus on the work and get there, you know? And there was a kid going back, you know, 10 years now, maybe more than that, you know, kid that I was, you know, we were recruiting and she was tall, good kid, you know, got into rowing at the, you know, and her best erg was 748. You know, and we're like, you know, when I was coaching at Cal at the time, I'm like, yeah, like, I think you can do it. I think you can be good. She's like, really? I don't know. And her high school coach is like, you can't row at Cal. I'm like, I think you can. And she came to Cal. Her first date, she pulled 7-10. And she was in the four that came in third at NCAs. Her second year, she pulled 705, was in the second eight that came in second at NCAs. The next year, she pulled 702. And she, that boat came in second eight, and she, put, and she came in second at NCAAs. And her senior year, she was, I think she was captain. She went 652, first eight, wins NCAAs, you know. So she went from, I don't know if I'm good enough to row at Cal, you know, 748. It's like, you know, and like she caught fire. I want to put in the work and go for it, you know, so. Now, if that's not motivation, I don't know what is. Uh. Again, I want to run through a wall. We have one more question, and we're going to end with, yeah, go ahead. Hi, a uh, quick question about how you support um, the academic pursuits of your rowers. I mean, do you have any honors kids in the honors programs? Uh, I mean, that's, for us, that's a tricky question because our, our honors college just recently made some, some tricky uh, scholarship issues that make it difficult for us to give them athletic aid, but we do have a couple of walk-ons who are, are in the Honors College, and we, we have some very, very smart kids. I think our team GPA this semester, past fall, was 3.5, give or take. So, um, yeah, we do uh, everything we can to make sure that their grades are, are up to snuff and that they are achieving what they want to achieve. Um, you know, we make sure that they are getting their work done and, and keeping their grades up for sure. And a program like ours, you're like, yeah, we've got, we've got a wide range of kids, kids who are very, very academically motivated and, you know, honors program or very much looking, you know, we have grad students in our, in our team and they're very, very academically motivated. And there's other kids, the only reason they're gonna go to school, the only reason they're gonna go to class is to stay eligible so they can row. Like, Really, there's, there's, we've had, we definitely have kids like the only reason they are going to class is to stay eligible so they can race in the spring, you know, and every coach across the country, you know, certainly in a big time division one program like ours, you know, with the academic advisors and support and meeting with them and we have a good idea, the academic advisors are telling us this kid is struggling, this kid has a midterm coming up, this is what's going on. And, you know, and for us, we're certainly like, there's times I'm like, hey, you're behind in these classes. 
you are not allowed to come to the afternoon workouts until you get that stuff figured out. You know, like how people are surprised to find out how accommodating we're going to be to make sure the academics are in order. You know, and that's one kid's like, yeah, you don't don't come to the afternoon workouts until because you're behind in three different classes. It took her two days, you know, because rowing, she loves rowing and she wanted to be at practice. You know, so me saying like, hey, you know, I'm going to take away something that's very important to you. Don't come to practice. And she got that stuff cleared up, you know, and they were worried about it being eligible. And she got like a three, five for the semester. I'm like, okay, she was, you know, so sometimes kids just need that little nudge. And we're happy to provide that. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you, Sue Ellen, and everyone here at White Rock. Nick, Dave, guys, this was a great time. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm Alex Del Soto. I'm Alex Del Soto. I'm Alex Del Soto. And we have, we have just Eddie. It's Teddy Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vincent. Thank you for being here.